Welcome to the Misfit Stars podcast. I'm Shannon Curtis. And I'm Jamie Hill. And we're back, baby. Oh my gosh, we're back. We have we, been gone for like a month. Yeah, it's been a month. We so, took an actual break. Mm-hmm. Thank I you. Hope, thank you for your patience with us. I hope y'all are proud, honestly. <laughs> Our people frequently tell us they think we don't take enough downtime. We did. We actually took a little bit of downtime. Mm-hmm. I mean, from you know, we've been doing other work, you know, starting a couple weeks ago. But yes. like, we really were pretty good about giving the podcast a little bit of a break. Mm-hmm. And uh, and we're coming back with changes. We'll tell you about those in a minute. Yay. It's very exciting. We use the time to kind of reimagine what mm-hmm. we could do with this for you. And we're super stoked about it. Yes. Do you have any announcements, Shannon Curtis? I have, well, I have a song. Announcements, announcements, announcements. Nice, nice. Yeah. Uh, I have one announcement. What you got? Uh, the one announcement is that we are in this new year starting back up our Misfit Stars Zoom meetups. Woohoo! Very exciting. Can't wait to see everyone. Our next one is going to be on Sunday, February 6th. Yep. From 3 p.m. to 6 p.m. Pacific time. Yep. That means if you're on the East Coast of the United States, it'll be 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. Yep. East Coast time. If you live somewhere other than that, do the math. Yes. You can do it. I believe in you. But it's early enough that our European friends can show up at least for the beginning. We Maybe. did it that way on purpose. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Great. So, Misfit Stars Zoom Meetup. I will be sending out uh, in the social network an event invitation to everybody. So you'll be getting that with the link of how to join. I'll email you too. We will also do that. Um, the, the meetup, if, in case you haven't been to one, well, you should come. First of all, you have to be a Misfit Stars member. Mm-hmm. Misfitstars.com slash join. Uh, and it's just a wonderful time. Every single time we do one of these, I enjoy it more than the last. Because yeah. like people over the last, how long have we been doing? Like a year and a half maybe? Yeah. Yeah, a little more than a year. We've been doing these meetups and folks have started to get to know each other. Like people who never have met in person (laughs) who live like thousands of miles from each other in different cities, states, countries even. Have begun to you know become friends and yeah. I and I love that I lo- it's it's a real community and I just love seeing it grow. Uh, at the beginning of our when we first started the meet, started the meetups, I remember you and I had to do a lot of like question asking and prodding, like you know lots of prompts, drawing people out. And now honestly, we show up and we kind of sit back because people have stuff to talk about with each other and yeah. it's really wonderful. And you know because of the way that you and I nurtured this from the very beginning, the overarching tone of the group is one of mutual support and respect. Oh yeah. And so that's the context yes. for all these conversations that people are having. People yeah. are having not just trivial conversations. I mean, there's that too. People are just shooting the shit sometimes. We laugh. Yeah. If <laughs> Sheila's on there, we're going to be talking some smack and that's great. <laughs> you know what I mean? We're totally yeah. into that. Uh, and there's a, a bunch of room for that. But also people f- understand and, and now feel comfortable being really vulnerable in there. Totally. And really being open and talking and using t- mm. the fact that it is a small private group, mm. a small private trusted group to their advantage, you yeah. know? And I know that personally, especially in this pandemic time, I have found a real need in my life sometimes just to make those sorts of connections. Oh yeah, for sure. You know, and to, and to be able to nurture them over sort of an extended period mm-hmm. of time. It's been really mm-hmm. like healthy feeling mm-hmm. and just, I, I really look forward to these. Me too. Uh, I want you to know that if you're thinking about coming, you've never been to one, you don't have to be there for the whole three hours. Oh no. You can just pop in. It's a drop in. So it's like a 
like an any open time house. between three and six. You just show up whenever you want to. A lot of people are there right at three and stay in right until six. Like we're all really, like a lot of us are very eager for the time and really suck all the juice out of it that we can. Mm-hmm. And then there's definitely some people. We have a couple of people uh, who just sometimes like they'll, they'll dip in for half an hour. They'll go away. They'll come back like an hour yeah, later. Totally. Yeah. I got to go make dinner. I'll be back or it's whatever. Great. Yeah. It's really nice. We would love to have you in there. If you're listening to this and you're already in Misfit Stars, uh, you'll get your email. You'll get your invite. Just come. Yeah. We'll have the Zoom link. If this is something that sounds like something you want to do in your life, hanging out with me and Shannon in a place where you can feel free just to be you and to be heard and to be seen. And if you want to talk about something like kind of vulnerable with people who you can trust that with, like, please join us. Yeah. 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 So we have one other sort of, I guess, announcements would be a good place to put this. It's like a meta announcement. It's a meta announcement. So Shannon and I, one of the things that we really wanted to do with the podcast in the podcast break that we just took Mm -hmm. was to take advantage of the opportunity to really like reimagine a little bit what the podcast could look like for us. Kind of take stock of what we've been doing Mm -hmm. and what we value about what we've been doing and what we want to carry forward and some changes that we want to make. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, You know, we really felt like the previous format of the podcast, I think we had a really great run with that. And I feel like that sobriety mini series Mm. that we did toward the end those last three months really was just like the ultimate encapsulation of how that format could work for us. And it felt really good. Yeah. And it felt like we really did something we're proud of with that. And it also, I think, felt to both of us like it was going to be important to keep it fresh for us, Mm -hmm. you know, and also hopefully to keep it fresh for you Mm -hmm. just to switch things up and uh, reimagine what it could look like. You know, something we realized is that I think for us and I think also for y'all who listen to it, what you like the most about it is just us bantering back and forth. It's just us talking. Right? Well, Do you yeah, have but, a different opinion? Well, you, no. made a, you made an expression. I did, because I mean, it still is. This podcast, in its formation, when we first made it, and it still is to this day, I think it's a, it's about us getting on microphones and talking to each other about stuff that matters. Yeah. And I think for a while, in, the, in sort of like the format we've been doing up until now, we tackled some big topic each week, yeah. or you know, and and uh, and that was great to be able to dive. I loved our conversation last summer on um, the the pitfalls of individualism mm-hmm. and how that's playing out in our country and sure. in our lives. Loved yeah. that, you know, the sobriety series is, a, is a, an example of that. Uh, but I think that uh, that we're we're taking that same concept of talking about stuff that matters. You know, it's not like. I don't imagine y'all would tune in if it was just us telling jokes to each other for you know a period of time. Like, could like, be pretty good. There's substance here, is what I'm trying to say. Like, yeah. and, and and so we're reimagining how we're going to be digging into our own selves about what what mattered to me this week. Yeah, you know, we're, we've got a new format for for how we're asking ourselves those questions, and then how we're going to bring those topics to you in this podcast. That's a nice way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, much better than the way I put it, really. So thanks for that. Appreciate that. That's why there's two of us. Yeah. At least one of us will get it right, hopefully some of the time. And that's good. That's what we shoot for. Yeah. Or not. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, goals. Hashtag goals. That's right. Uh, So, you know, to that end, what we have done, and, you know, if this is too much inside baseball, we'll just edit it out so you'll never hear this. But... (laughs) 
what we realized is that like we only had a couple of different places uh, in the structure of the podcast where we could just talk about stuff that matters to us sort of in that way yeah. in, in a more fluid week by week ongoing kind of way immediate kind of way and yeah. so what we realized is that if we had more like categories mm-hmm. you know prompts. Uh, prompts if you will mm-hmm. of, of ways to think about the world around us that we could then organize the podcast in almost we've, we've come to think of it around here as being like a widgetized way to organize the podcast right, right? right. so each of these like topics categories prompts call them what you will yeah. is sort of like a widget that maybe will appear or maybe won't appear in any given podcast episode depending on what is moving us in the world. So it's not like this rigid thing that we Mm. have to find stuff to plug into, but it's more a container for parsing the Mm. world around us, Mm -hmm. which I think is really actually going to be sort of helpful to me as I move through the world because it'll be a way, an intention, in the same way that we have a formalized gratitude practice, which really makes us look at the world through a lens of gratitude, being able to have a structure to parse my world and sort of be like, mm. here's the way in which this is important to me yeah. and why. I think that's going to be really good for me in my life. And I really hope it's going to be an interesting way to engage you guys, our listeners. Well, I think it's going to be a great way. I mean, it's, yes, I, I agree with you. It'll, it'll be an interesting way to engage our own lives, but also to like sit down and talk about those things intentionally with you each week. That's yeah. going to be really cool. Yeah. And then, yes, I hope also that it, that it will be um, a interesting and engaging for our listeners. And I really hope that it's going to spur and spawn a whole ongoing sort of suite of conversations around these types of topics within our Misfit Stars community. Yes, you know, I agree. And I hope that when people are listening to the podcast, they'll be like, I've got something for Let's Get Less Dumb. (laughs) That's foreshadowing of one of our coming categories. Well, should we start diving into our list of our our widgets? Yes, and you know, because it's the one we always start with and also because that's a nice not-too-jarring transition into the new Widgetized Misfit Stars <laughs> podcast. Let's start with how are we feeling. So, Shannon, how are you feeling today? Oh, thank you for asking. Mm-hmm. Um, I really appreciated the fact that when we were preparing for this podcast, you asked me for the feelings words list yes. that I've been using in our Misfit Stars social network. Mm-hmm. I, I will often do just do a, a check-in with folks, like, how are you feeling today? And I post these lists that I, uh, gosh, I... I'm going to have to, I, I can't remember the, the site where I found them. And I, that's a shame that I don't remember that off the top of my head. I imagine if one were to Google feelings lists, yeah. Coda, you would find I, it's it. It's not in Coda. It's a different, it's a different resource, but. Um, it's Coda-esque. <laughs> yeah. But it's, uh, there's essentially just two lists, the two different pages. One is uh, feelings that we have, feelings when your needs are satisfied. Yeah. And feelings when your needs are not satisfied. And it's just. It's the happy list and the mad sort list. Sort of. Like generally <laughs> speaking, yeah. But like it's really helpful to when you're trying to evaluate how you're feeling, which is just such a great practice. And that's why we do it at the top of the podcast episode each week. Tell me that thing that you were telling me a couple of weeks ago about the painfully limited emotional vocabulary oh. that the average person has. Yeah, so I, I just finished reading Brene Brown's new book, Atlas of the Heart. Yes, which that's is what it was. phenomenal, by the way. And if you haven't had a chance to read it yet, I cannot recommend it enough. It was so, so good. And if you think about that title, right, what she did in this book is she's mapping how we feel about things. Yeah. Atlas of the Heart. Well, and her, her whole point in the book is that um, in her research, and this is all research-based, she is a scientist who studies 
emotions. She's a research professor. Right, right. Yeah. So she, um, the, this, this whole, the whole point of this book was that the, the idea, in her research, it showed that when people go to identify their feelings, that, um, that there are really, there are three words that emerge that are used the most frequently. It's happy, sad, and angry. And, and that, 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 that most of the time people will identify their feelings as being one of those three things or a combination of those three things. But it leaves out so much nuance and it leaves out so much um, actual describing what's going on inside a person. Yeah. Like her, her, the reason for this book that, that she wrote was that, that language informs our experience. And so, you know, if, if you're feeling sad, but you haven't really put your finger on what kind of sad it is, it's very difficult to move through that feeling and deal like and deal with it in a way that 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 moves you forward. You yeah. know what I mean? So like really getting nuanced. So in this book, Atlas of the Heart, she it's like I think it's like eighty two different emotions that she breaks down, and it's just so helpful to like really get into the nuance of all that. In the same spirit, because like imagine a world in which you could only describe a color as being red, uh, right. and you couldn't say that it was pink or fuchsia or magenta or vermilion, a, a warm red or a cool red, or yeah, yeah. like yeah, exactly, red, right? But but yes, it, it it helps us to navigate our own experience when we use the proper language to describe our experience, and so in the same spirit, these feelings lists that I've been using for a while in Misfit in the Misfit Star Social Network. Have, are just really helpful. I use them just in my regular daily life occasionally to figure out, okay, like I've got this feeling. I can't put my finger on it. What is it? I'll just scan the list and it and something will pop up and I'm like, oh yeah, that's it. That's what I'm feeling. And it's so revealing because it helps me attach that whatever that feeling I have or whatever mm -hmm. To perhaps a need that's yeah. not being met, then I can decide. Then I can determine: is this a need that I can meet myself? Like, yeah. or what do I need to do to change the status? It's quo? almost like the beginning of a flowchart for addressing how you feel. It absolutely is, and 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 a flowchart for how to like deal with life. Yeah. you know, it's really interesting that you would sort of phrase all that in that way. I'm so I'm working on my book of essays right yeah. now. Yeah, and in the one that I have been working on, like last night, yeah. you know, uh, and I'm still working on today. There's the thing in here, uh, it, it's about it, it's about language, right? And the language that, you know, we use to frame our experience yeah. as artists. And I, here's two sentences that are oh. in this, this essay that cool. I wrote. The stories we tell ourselves are composed of the words in our heads. Mm. So we mm -hmm. need to be very intentional about what words we allow to allow to live inside us. Oh my gosh, yeah, totally. Right? Absolutely. That's exactly what you're talking about. Absolutely. And like if we only have three words yeah. to describe how we're feeling, the stories we're telling ourselves about the experience we're having in our lives mm -hmm. isn't nuanced at all. Mm -hmm. It's just this monochromatic, overly simplistic, reductive, I am one of three top-level mm -hmm. feelings. I am happy, or I am sad, or I am angry. Mm -hmm. And that's it. Mm-hmm. Are those the only stories you want to be able to tell yourself no. about your human experience? Yeah. The human experience, like your inner life. No matter if you are a person who only uses those three words, regardless of what words you're using, your inner life is as richly varied Way and as complex. nuanced, as complicated as any anything you can imagine. Yeah. Right? And you need to be able to honor 
your inner experience with language. Well, because that's how we know. It's so how we come to know ourselves. It's how we come to be connected more deeply to ourselves and to each other. Yes. Like that, and that's that's really the fundamental part of like Brene Brown's book is like it's that it's in using this language to describe ourselves to know ourselves. That is how we. Um, we sort of prep ourselves, prepare ourselves to be able to make connections with one another. And that's mm-hmm. what we need to survive in our lives. Like we need to be connected to each other. We need to be connected to ourselves. So, so all of that to say. say, when we were preparing this podcast, you asked, you know, hey, could you send me over those, those feelings listed? I'm so glad you did because and I would And I want to be clear. I, you know, long-time listeners of this podcast, people who know me in person know, it's not that I'm at a lack for words <laughs> in my life. That's not it. It's that I specifically wanted to tie the exercise back to the feelings list because I want, as a practice for myself, mm-hmm. not just to surface in a sort of superficial way, mm-hmm. you know, a, a reductive version of how I'm doing. Sure. I really want to model both for other people and also for myself yeah. more intentionality yeah. around finding very specific words, you right. know? Yeah. And really, so what I'm going to do for this segment, mm-hmm. you know, and what I've done today and what I'm going to continue doing going forward is I'm just reading the list. First of all, I'm just starting like, how am I feeling today? Is it good or is it bad? <laughs> I'm starting like a dum-dum. Sure, right? and then digging and, deeper. And that's just which 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 file do I pull up? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know, if, if it's a bad file, then I'll pull up, you know, things mm-hmm. that, to drill down on how I'm feeling there. And if it's good, then that's the list I'll pull from. Right, right. You know? So good. And if I'm feeling in the middle, maybe I'll even open both up. Go crazy. <gasps> I don't know. Absolutely. Oh, there's so many days where I have words from both lists. Uh, but I have words from just one list okay, today. Okay, great. <laughs> to get back to your question from... Many minutes ago. Uh, how am I feeling? Yeah. Um, I'm feeling stimulated. Um, I'm feeling really, and what I mean by that is like, uh, I just feel very like eager to do my work that I'm doing right mm-hmm. now. Yep. Like I'm digging into writing um, my new record and I'm, I'm feeling that work is stimulating me and it's nice. It's, I had it's stimulated just, on my list too. Do you really? That's yes, amazing. For the same reason. I'm just stoked about what oh, we're up to. That's amazing. Yeah. Cool. Second um, item on my list is that I feel clear headed. Oh, that's nice. That's a good one. Um, you know, I just, I, I, I feel like at this moment, and it's, I mean, this doesn't happen every moment, but at this moment, today, this week, generally speaking, I have felt um, just okay about being in the world and knowing my place in it. Mm-hmm. And like, it's okay. So just the, the clear headed seemed to encapsulate that feeling for me. That's good. I um, like that. And this is, a more reductive word, but it, but I've chose it, and I I feel happy. Um, like there were other words on the list that were like exuberant, exhilarated. That's not where I am. Yeah, and I'm and I'm not uh, just moderately feeling okay or feeling good. I I genuinely feel happy. That's okay. So, it's okay to have a plain vanilla emotion. Yeah, you know, but, we but bought vanilla ice cream yesterday. It's, accurate. it's valid. It's accurate for where I'm at today. So that's Great. how I'm feeling. How about you? Besides stimulated, how are you feeling? <laughs> uh, well, now I'm feeling pissed because you took my word. Oh no! No, that's not true. Uh, I'm feeling empowered and excited and optimistic. Oh, that's great. 
Uh-huh. Uh, I'm feeling empowered and excited. Those feel related to me because uh, I just like where we're at with our work life right now, all mm-hmm. the creative things that we're doing. Yeah. We've started working on your new record. It is real cool. I'm really <laughs> liking the direction it's taking, and I feel just uh, very excited about that. Mm-hmm. I'm feeling empowered because I took a big leap in my personal work life, and I finally cleared out energy and space in my life t- to s- resume working and fin- working on and finishing my book of essays on the creative process. And that feels like I have empowered myself. I feel self-empowered, I guess would be an even more specific way to put Mm -hmm. that. I feel good about that. Uh, And I feel optimistic. And I don't have a specific reason for that. That's okay. Yeah. I mean, it almost seems to be, you know, uh, in direct contravention to plainly observable facts outside my window. <laughs> but regardless of that, I just feel optimistic good. and it is what it is. And That's I'll great. take it. Awesome. Yeah. Very cool. So how about we fire up the good news machine? Let's fire up the good news machine. So I kind of went ham on the good news machine only because it's, it's been a month and a bunch of good things happened over the last month. Usually okay. it's just like a week's worth and I chose like five from the last month. Okay, we'll start rattling them off then. Okay, I will. So first of all, uh, just like legislatively, we had a January 1st happen since the last podcast and January 1st is often when new legislation comes into effect. Right. Stuff that got passed at some point last year. Often they'll be like, starting January 1st, this will be the new rules. Right, right. Uh, and there were a couple of those. Uh, one, at the federal level, something called the No Surprises Act went into, into effect on January 1st. Mm-hmm. That, uh, that, that act, that law, is aimed at protecting patients from surprise medical bills. That's great. Oh my gosh. Especially with COVID, we've been hearing all these horror stories mm-hmm. in the news, I'm sure you have too, uh, about people who go in for COVID and they end up being in there, maybe in an ICU for, you know, a week and a half. Nothing extraordinary. They end up fine. They just had a rough spell, but they come out and they have like a half million dollar surprise medical bill when they thought they had health insurance, you know? Uh, This is going to end that shit to some degree. You know, I mean, as with everything that comes out of Congress, it's not perfect, right? (laughs) Like lobbyists do have an influence and they whittle things down. They make it less strong, but it's better than Nothing. It's true. I mean, yeah. even better would be uh, Medicare for all, and those medical bills just all go to the government yeah. when we need to get medical care. Yeah, you want to <laughs> you want to end surprise billing? Make the government the single payer, yeah, exactly. right? Because a government would be like, yeah, we're not paying that. <laughs> Screw you guys. <laughs> it would it would bring cost controls. It would bring costs in control a lot more than they currently. Oh, it'd be but great. Still yeah. great news. Don't want to diminish your good news. What's next? Yep. Uh, so at a more local level, not to us, but to California, where I know there are a lot of Misfit Stars listeners. Uh, there is a new law in California. California, as of January 1st, requiring grocery stores to donate surplus foods to food banks. Okay, this is crazy. I have seen, I've seen, I saw a couple weeks ago, a few different like TikToks of this person who does um, dumpster diving. What they, what's, there's another word for it. Freganism. Freganism. Where they, they go to like the dumpsters outside of like bougie grocery stores. Like Whole Foods. And take out of the trash stuff that they've thrown away that they're no longer going to sell. But so much of the stuff is like not even past its expiration date or it's like on the expiration. Perfectly good food that just gets thrown in the trash. And before this law uh, in California, I mean, obviously Whole Foods could still do this in the rest of the country, but like Whole Foods had a policy where they would not give away any excess groceries of any kind to hungry people. They had a policy where they, it had to be thrown away, which is just so ridiculous. It's cruel. I mean, it's cruel. Because if you think about it, it's a policy that uh, that 
people who are experiencing food insecurity need to climb into a dumpster. That's what the policy is. Because right. those people are going in to get that food. Right. You know what I mean? Right. You can't stop a hungry person from trying to get food. <laughs> but it's just adding cruelty on top of and the just process. And just on like a, like a zoomed out level, like <laughs> we have enough food for everybody on this planet and yet yeah. people are hungry every day yeah. and they deal with food insecurity which means they don't know when they're, where their next meal is necessarily going to come from all the time. Like, there's enough out there for us all. We just throw it away. And it's appalling. It's appalling. I have a great idea for a new policy. Any uh, habitable, any habitable residence that has been uninhabited for more than 90 days, uh, unhoused people can just move into. <laughs> Let's, yeah, the, the supply and, and the need on housing is similar to that. There is something yeah. like, what, five empty houses in America for every unhoused person. Something it's like wild. It is wild. Real estate shouldn't be an investment. It should be a place to frickin' live. Right. Come on. I know. I know. Uh, okay, but that's anyway, good that was news good. in good California. News. Yep, they I have, have more California good oh, news. What's, what's Cal California is doing good. I know, right? I like living in places where people do good things. Yeah. Uh, California's working at it. Uh, and the other thing that they're doing is they're starting the process of manufacturing their own low-cost insulin. Oh my gosh, I saw that news. And that was so incredible. Like, yeah. why not it just manufacture? What I want them to do is do that. And then like the rest of the West Coast, Oregon, Washington, get in on the action. Yeah. And then we all just have like our own... In, how about other drugs too? Yeah, <laughs> like, anything that's in generic status, why and then, not? And then why not like just let that spread through the rest of the country? And oh, look, the government's actually just producing things at lower cost yeah. and yeah, providing them to their to the citizens. I at, mean, California not, is also in parallel right now attempting yet another push at single payer single payer healthcare. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it is being vociferously opposed by uh, insurance and doctors lobbying groups. Of course. And so, you know, it, it's going to be it's going to be a big lift like it always is. They've tried this multiple times in the past you and know, what always fails is the funding part because to fund something with new taxes in California, it's a constitutional amendment right. and it has to be put to the voters and these lobbying groups spend millions and millions oh, yeah. and millions of dollars to convince people it's not in their best interest and right. then it fails, so we'll see. I thought it was really interesting on the on the single single payer effort in California on that front. Uh, one of the groups that's lobbying for single payer is the nurses associations. Mm. They are for it. Of course the, they are. The doctors yeah. associations say that they're not. And I imagine there are a lot of doctors who are so for. So what you're I saying. I imagine that there are a lot of doctors who are for single payer though. Like a, it, what you're saying is that the wealthy people <laughs> are against it, but the not wealthy people are for it. At least their organizations are. Because I'm sure that there are a ton of doctors who really do yeah. do their profession for the right reasons and who understand that their patients would be better served with a single-payer system. It would be bad to like paint all doctors with that brush. Yeah. And but, also, their, but their lobbying organizations have a different idea In the spirit it. of not painting everyone with the same brush, there's probably some scumbag nurses out there. Oh, sure, for sure. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, probably not. I kind of feel like all nurses are heroes and saints, but there's probably a bunch of them who are assholes. Oh. I just don't personally know them. Um, <laughs> what else do you have? You got so much good news. Oh, so much. Uh, so here's... Here's a wonky, nerdy one. Direct TV, you know, the satellite yeah. uh, TV service that you can get places. Yeah. Uh, they're dropping One America News Network from their lineup. That's fantastic news. And here's news. why that's fantastic news. The reason it's fantastic news is that Direct TV is uh, preponderantly used in more rural, conservative places. Direct TV oh. is very popular where they don't run cable. 
I see. Places that aren't served by cable. Right. right? So they and, have to get to get all the channels. They have to do satellite. And places like that are always rural and places like that are generally much, much more conservative. And here's the thing. I don't have a problem with uh, with people being good faith conservatives. But One American News Network is oh. not a good faith conservative no, it's effort. It's propaganda. Extreme right-wing propaganda. It's hardcore right-wing propaganda. But it ties into cultural concerns. They, they sort of, you know how like every good lie has a kernel of truth. Oh. They start with stuff that is of genuine concern to their target audience mm-hmm. and then they just take it to crazy land. Yeah, that's what propaganda does. Yeah. That's exactly what it does. Which is why it not being even available to these people who would be primed to be receptive to it Mm -hmm. is really, really good. It is good. I mean, they still have Fox News. Mm Mm-hmm. True. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, but hey, but, oh, we'll, we'll take them one at a time. It's true. You know? We'll knock I mean, them out one at a time. If Fox News gets extreme enough, maybe mm-hmm. they'll get unbundled eventually as well. That would be great news. That would be really good. Yeah. Uh, okay. And you I have, have more? I have one more. Okay. It's just, it's a quickie. It's, look, it's looking like the Pfizer vaccine could be approved as soon as February for kids under five. That's great news. That's great. I only had one item. I didn't know that you were going to go deep into history and with all these. That's, I'm glad you did because it was so much good news and it feels yeah. good to I, it relive just, it. It feels good in these times to focus on as much good stuff as possible. Absolutely. So my one item, though, is is pretty great. Uh, at the beginning of the new year, like you said, a lot of new legislation goes into effect. Mm-hmm. And around the country, there were 25 states that raised their minimum wage in yes. 2021, and it went in effect January 1st of this year. Yes. Um, and it's not that they're all going up to $15 an hour. And honestly, $15 an hour is still way too low in a lot of places yeah. to be the minimum wage now. Like People started lobbying for $15 an hour minimum wage years and years ago yeah. when that would have been a living wage. Barely. Yeah, and now it's probably yeah. more like $22 or $23 an hour that would be a living wage in, yeah. in, in all places. Yeah. But um, anyway, but it's still great news that these 25 states raise their minimum wage. So, so there, there will be, workers will be getting a raise across the board in yes. a lot of these states. Um, I want to be pedantic about something here. What's that? Not all of these uh, minimum wage increases go into effect on January first. Oh, 1st. it's true. They're t- they're taking they stagger. A lot of them did, yeah. But some of them are March first or July first or it. whatever. Okay. But point being, in twenty twenty two, and twenty five states are going to do it. Often, some of these minimum wage increases happen in a staggered fashion yep. over time. Like it, they they raise it, you know, a certain number of cents every couple of months or every year or yeah. so. So, yeah, you're right. Like they did here in Washington. It was 13, then it was 14, then it was 15, right? right? Yeah. yeah. So this is related, though, to just other really great news coming out of sort of like the, the labor market. Yes. Um, you probably have heard on the news or you've read in the news about this, like the, the great resignation. Like so many people have been quitting their jobs over the last number of months. To go get a better job. Because other better paying jobs or better jobs with better conditions are becoming available. Yeah. This is, I read the other day that this is not just COVID related. I mean, although that some of that probably did affect the labor market. I mean, COVID has affected everything. I think what COVID did specifically is it really shone a spotlight on the worst jobs. Yeah, that's true. Like the jobs where you're getting treated the most like shit and the most mm. like a piece of cattle. Right. You know, where right. your employer just clearly doesn't care for you at all. For sure. Like yeah. a, a dead, nothing like a deadly disease sweeping through the population to yeah. really like show who cares about you and who doesn't. Right. So, um, but, but, this is, but, but economists are seeing this is kind of a trend that actually seems that it will maybe be more long-lasting, like over the next many years, maybe even a generation where labor has more power in the employment market yeah. because of uh, of 
uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Demographic shifts. Yeah. Um, so essentially, the idea is that there are fewer workers uh, available for the jobs, which means that the the employers have to compete for those workers, meaning better working conditions, higher wages. Yeah. And so and perks and just generally treating people well. It gives the workers more power to choose where they want to go. And and that's a great trend. That's a great trend for us to be living in. The reason for that is like, you know, it's, it's pretty wonky in well, terms uh, of... It's not too bad. I can boil it down. Okay, you do it. And it's also, it should be really be noted, it's also completely the fault of the employers that they're in this situation to begin with. And here's why. Mm. They put such a squeeze, they took such advantage of people our age in Generation X mm. and people younger than us, like the millennial generation. Uh-huh. Uh, they just got, like our generation, and the millennials just got completely abused by our employers mm. for like the last like 25 years, right? Right, And they created these situations where a lot of people, a whole lot of people are being paid a lot less than they should be, mm. right? Uh, the reason that there is a minimum wage is because if it weren't there, employers would pay you less than that, right? right? And now think about people who are making the minimum wage and think about how many companies choose to do the bare minimum, the Walmarts of the world, the mega employers, mm-hmm. people who pay as close to as little as they can right. on a per-employee basis, right? Well, all of their employees are super poor, which means they can't afford to do things like have more kids and have bigger families, oh. right? And so the way that that has, like, like our kids... That's the Zoomers. That's Generation Z. Well, Generation Z is small enough that starting, I think, next year in 2023, Mm -hmm. if I remember this correctly, there is projected to be a 0.1% labor workforce Mm -hmm. growth for the next 15 years as Gen Z matriculates through the workforce. How wild is that? And it's entirely the employer's fault because they paid starvation wages. Well, guess what? When you pay people starvation wages, they can't afford to do luxury things like raise a family. Make families, yeah, Yeah. totally. Which makes the next generation of workers for you, you dumb fucks. Yeah, totally. You know? Yeah. I mean... It's always so short-sighted with capitalism because like the current managers, if you look at any slice of time, 2022, managers right now, they don't care about making a sustainable workforce for the the year 2050. They care about getting themselves rich by 2025. Short-term profits. And they're doing whatever they can to do short-term profits to enrich themselves personally, you know, and screw the future. Well, the screw the future, like the debt on that bill, that's come due. Mm. And that's what employers are going to have to deal with for like the next 15 years because of screwing everyone so bad for the last I feel like 20 years. We should add screw the future to our list of potential band names. <laughs> we have a little bit an ongoing list of like phrases that might make good band names. And I feel like like screw the future would be like a good punk band name. Yeah. You should add it. Or yeah. maybe like emo. Oh, okay. You know what I sure. mean? Sure. Yeah. Anyway. We'll work on it. We'll workshop it. Sidebar. Uh-huh. Well, that is the conclusion of this week's Good News Machine. What a good machine this week. It was pretty good, it yeah. Was a really good, it was a really good week. Um, so this takes us to our next category, our next widget. Yep. Brand new on the Misfit Stars podcast. Let's get less dumb. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Class, anyone? Anyone? So this is a place for us to share fun or weird facts, uh, maybe a cool word we learned, whatever. Something we learned, something Just fun. Just something yeah. to enrich your mind with that has enriched okay. our mind over the past week. I didn't have one. I didn't... I didn't Shannon's think- mind was not enriched. No, it was. Shannon stayed the same amount of dumb. I didn't think about this one early enough to really get something, but you, you on the other hand... Oh yeah, I've got a doozy. Have a doozy. So check this out. I learned something about squid this week, people. Uh, squid, like the animal. Like the animal, In yeah. the ocean. Like the animal in the ocean. Okay. Uh, and 
and fair warning, uh, it's a little gross. <laughs> so here's what I learned about squid. So squid have such uh, an advanced slash aggressive slash ambitious reproductive system. Oh my gosh, where that, is this going? Oh man, it's going somewhere really bad. Okay. Specifically, uh, in the case of the woman whose story I read okay. uh, in some newspaper article or uh -huh. other, yeah. it's going in your mouth. And here's what happened. What? Here's what happened. This woman, uh, somewhere in Asia where they eat a lot of squid and prepare it in a lot of different ways, including okay. raw or semi-raw. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So she had a male squid. She didn't bother removing its sexual organs. Like, you can clean a fish and take out the guts and stuff, right? Yeah. She, she didn't do that. Okay. Uh, and she just parboiled it lightly just to give it a little bit of crisp on the outside, you know, but not really boiling it, not enough to kill was anything. Was it dead? It was, the, the animal was dead. The animal is dead. The animal's dead. The animal's totally dead. Before she puts it in the pot. Yes, yes. Okay. Absolutely. It is dead. It's dead. And then she parboils it, just throws it in for a little bit just to give it a little chewiness, okay. right? Okay. And then she takes it and eats it. And she gets a couple bites in, and she feels all of a sudden, in a flash of a moment, this stinging, burning, overwhelming pain inside her mouth. Turns out that what had happened is she had bit down on, I believe it's the fourth tentacle from the right, which is where a male squid keeps its sexual organs. Oh, my God. And it had deployed oh. all of its sperm oh. sacs into her mouth. Oh. Now, these sperm sacs are barbed, and oh. they, they work autonomously, almost like little sort of... Like Squid a, robots. Like little squid submarine robots. And what they do is they find a mucous membrane and they burrow into it with bars <gasps> so they can't come back out. And that happened in her mouth? Oh, all over her mouth. Oh. She had to receive urgent, immediate <gasps> medical attention to remove the barbed uh, sperm sacs. I am horrified. And these things are motile. These things are alive still and am... moving around and trying to burrow oh, no, into no, no, her no. face no, no, no. to make new squid inside okay. her face. You have to stop now because this is like, I'm not going to be able to eat tonight. I'm going to have nightmares. <laughs> like, this is, oh my God. That's wild, right? Thank you for sharing. Yeah, yeah. So, hey, people, if you're concerned about this, like calamari, whatever, all you got to know is as long as it, as long as the... Is it uh, calamari octopus? No, it's squid. It's squid. Yeah. Oh, as okay. long as Why the, as long as the, the guts have been removed, you're fine. Because the guts, okay. like, contains sexual organs, whatever, right? Uh, and... You know, it's like, and always it's like boiled or cooked, you know. Okay. If it's cooked through, right. if it's breaded and fried, you're fine, you know. Just don't <laughs> take a squid out of the ocean and chomp on it. That's, That's a, all. Okay, word to the wise. Yeah. I probably wouldn't have done that. And, but really, I anyway. want like, I know it was a gross story, and I took pleasure in telling a gross story, because who doesn't? Because <laughs> inside you're a 14-year-old boy. Of course, yeah. Yeah, 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 always and forever. Yeah. But really, I was fascinated at the biological imperative you know, expressed through this squid reproductive scheme. I can appreciate that, and thank you for that frame, actually, because that's how I'm going to be able to eat dinner tonight. Yeah. Is I'm gonna just going to look at this like science. Science. Yay. That's it. Okay. It's just a science story, people. I'm yeah. making you a little bit less dumb. Great. Okay, good. These are these squid. Thank you for making us less dumb. Yeah. So I think we should pivot right into our next new section. Woo! Where's my gold star? Where indeed? Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> this is a section where we are going to just celebrate some personal achievement or accomplishment. Yeah. Big or small. Yeah. Uh, that we had in the last week. It's like a personal good news machine. It is like a personal good news machine. Yeah, yeah. it's nice. So I have one thing. What you got? And that is that, holy cow, our song Breaking Ground. Yes is being played on a radio station in Astoria, Oregon, 94.9 The Bridge, mm -hmm. 
It's being played a lot. A lot. Like, in the last, I mean, we, we've figured out how to set up an alert on our phone so that whenever it plays on their app via their streaming app, we can get notified. Their app just has a little bell that you can click by any song name and you'll be notified in the app when it's about to play. Within the last, like, in this in this calendar day, it's already been played three times. Yes. Which is amazing. Yeah, it was played at, like, uh, like uh, it was played at night while we were having our snack at, like, 1.30 or quarter of two in the morning. Yeah. We just listened to the radio and it just, Came it was on. just on. It was just on. And then it was on early this morning and then like during drive time. And then, yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. It was on at like eight something in the morning, like 8.50 in the morning, like prime it's drive so time. Good. And then it was on at like 2.30 something in the afternoon. Again, prime uh, like afternoon listening time. So awesome. And every time it gets played, it's just surrounded by famous artists. That's the thing. It's like this, the playlist, it's not like this station plays a bunch of indie artists. No. Like, Every, Not really at all. Every other artist that we see on the playlist is somebody that you would recognize, yeah. like a national act, international act. And it's, so it's really, the thing is like the first time we heard the song, we were just like streaming, because it's a great radio station. We we just listened to it because it's like really it's good. good. Like yeah. it's just like a great selection of songs. And so we were like listening to it while we were doing something. I don't know if we were reading or catching up on emails or something just one afternoon a few days ago. And it popped on and we're like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Like, and Literally, I I had never had that experience of hearing my one of a song that I wrote yeah. and that we made here in our house. Right here, I mean, like eight feet from where we're sitting right, right now. It's right, we made it right there yeah. and upstairs. Like like it's like something we made just spontaneously hearing it on the radio. Like yeah. I've, I mean, I've 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 heard my songs on radio before, but like when it's been like I've gone in for like an interview somewhere, you yeah. know, like you know a it's coming. college station or yeah. like you know we've we've even been on TV on like local stations, yeah. you know, and so like. Like, you know it's coming and that's fun. It's fun. But like to just spontaneously be listening to the radio and then be like, oh wait, I made that. Yeah. Wow. That wow. feeling will never get old. Ever. So that's my, where's my gold star? It's so great. I love it. And the velocity of this uh, song's plays, it's increasing for sure. It's fun. Like it's, we, we're kind of watching in real time. It's gone from like one play a day to two plays a day to three to like today it'll be four, maybe five, depending like how, the, yeah. how it goes. Like it's, it's so fun. It's really amazing. I would love to see this happen in other radio stations. We're working on that. Yeah. We'll, we'll see if we can make it happen. It's difficult as a as a small indie yes, artist like this, but you know, we'll, we'll do what we can and we'll take the win. Thank you for that gold star. Yeah. What's yours? Mine is that I restarted working on my book. Oh, uh, yes. And I'm so excited about that. Mm -hmm. So for people who don't know, uh, which is probably most people, uh, I started writing a book of essays on the creative process. Just stuff that Shannon and I have learned. The, the angle specifically is DIY, uh, DIY stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. Like we have worked outside of any industry mainstream that you can imagine for the last, you know, close to 20 years. Yeah. Uh, we just had to figure everything out ourselves and we've had to kind of forge our own path, but we've learned a lot of things along the way. Uh, some of it practical, some of it mindset stuff, all of which, if someone had told us earlier, we'd probably be further along. So I just <laughs> thought, you know, at a certain point that I should just write some of this down yeah. in hopes of helping other people, yeah. you know? It's funny, we started it, I started it, in uh, 2017, I wrote like, I don't know, 40 plus essays. My goal was to have it be a 50 essay book, mm -hmm. you know? Uh, and then we moved. 
Right. We bought a house and we moved. And so like the first year was just like scrambling to catch up and stay afloat and stay supporting, you know, moving to a new place. Yeah. And just like, you know, then we just had to make an album, go out on tour. So everything was hectic. And then there was, uh, you know, 2019. And we were at that point just kind of getting our feet back under us. I was sort of out of the book mindset at that point. We were also like just kind of like ramping up Misfit Stars at that point. We had yep. other stuff that we were We were really nurturing. focused. We were busy. Then yeah. 2020, it was just a election year, everything was really bad and ugly and gross and also, terrible and scary. pandemic. Yep, and pandemic. <laughs> and then, you know, last year again, pandemic and just trying to like, you know, again, like stay afloat. Uh, but the stars aligned. I, I was really, I felt very clearly about halfway through last year that like the time really felt right to get back to mm. this. And so I really worked intentionally to put energy out into the universe to just like clear my schedule yeah. and not have a bunch of music projects in the first part of this year yeah. so that I could really just focus on this project. And that has happened and that's I'm so starting good. and it's really exciting. So basically what I'm working on right now is like your record and this book and like that's kind of, that's it. I mean, I've got, I've, I've got my ongoing mentorship sure. stuff that I'm doing with my small army of mentees and that's, yeah. Wonderful and great, and that's always a bunch of hours each week. But that's fine. I mean, I don't have like any other big album projects because mm -hmm. I cleared the energy in the universe, and the universe uh, co-conspired with me on that. And I'm <laughs> grateful for that. And so I've just started diving in. Good for you. I, and I'm literally, I mean, just like three nights ago. But the first night I was back, I had like a 2,500 word night, which was a great way to kick things off. Oh. And then, uh, you know, I'm just cruising on from there. I've got uh, a bunch of new essays I want to write. I've got uh, some, I, I need to go back through the other 40 whatever. I'm sure there's a couple I'm just going to want to get rid of because they're not mm. going to feel as relevant to where I'm at now. Yeah. You know, where we're, we're at now. Uh, and I need to edit you know, the other 30-something thousand words worth of stuff. Right. It's, it's a big project, but also, yeah. like, I'm excited about it, and it's all very doable, and it's fun. That's the most important thing. I, of course, had nervousness jumping back into it, like, how's this going to feel? Am I going to be into it? Mm. Am I, is it going to feel like a drag? But mm. it, it feels great. Oh, good. I'm stoked. Awesome. Gold star for you. Hey, thank you. Yeah. So, uh, all right, time for yet another new segment. This feels important. And this is for news we feel like we need to touch upon. And this is stuff that wouldn't necessarily go in the good news machine because it's maybe not necessarily good news. Right. But like we feel like we feel like we can't not talk about it. Because right. it, it matters, right? Right. The overarching thing here with this new thing, this new format, is that it's we're focusing more intentionally on what matters to us in our lives and in our yeah. world. Not everything that's important is good. And this is definitely <laughs> one of those things. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I've got one, and yours is related, so I'll go first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're kind of one and the same, but yeah, you share your part first. Yeah, so mine is that, I mean, and I'm sure that everyone who's listening knows this, the Senate last week failed... Uh, to modify the filibuster and pass voting rights. Specifically, 52 senators blocked the ability to vote on the voting rights bill. Yes, including two all, Democrats. All Republicans in the Senate yep. and two Democrats. So there's a couple things. First of all, it's appalling <laughs> that zero Republicans, like no Republicans representing s literally a single Republican constituent in the United States of America, mm -hmm. thought that protecting voting rights. Our basic yeah. right to vote and access to the ballot box. Was important, mm -hmm. was worth doing. Uh, and, you know, when we talk voting rights, when anyone talks about voting rights, uh, it's not white, well-to-do people's voting rights we're talking about. It's people of color and the poor. Well, that's whose voting rights get trampled upon and decimated and sliced and diced. And that's who's on the chopping it block. It was the reason why the Voting Rights Act was first passed back in the 1960s. Yep. Because there was a need. The, the, prior to that, in, during Jim Crow, 
there were all kinds of laws passed at state level that were designed to keep black people from voting, yeah. to keep poor people from voting, yeah. because the parties in charge of those states uh, thought if more of those black people and poor people were able to vote, that perhaps they would lose power. Because the black the, people and poor people would vote... Other folks in. <laughs> well, and specifically, the cynical framing of it was that they're going to vote for people who will give them free stuff because <sighs> you know what black people and poor people are? They're lazy, oh right? Gosh. That was the explicit frame. Right. That's where the whole... That, I mean, charges of socialism have always been tied up in this, right? Yeah. The, like, oh, poor, people, poor people and black people and brown people in general are lazy and they don't want to work. They just want to be given free stuff. Remember, like, in the... 80s when Reagan was talking about welfare queens, the idea of like a black woman just like rolling in government oh, money and driving disgusting. a Cadillac and eating lobster it's on your dime, you, the white middle class taxpayer. Racist. It's all disgustingly those racist. Those ideas took root uh, as, as soon as um, former enslaved people were given the right to vote in yep. the late 1800s yep. is when those talking points started taking Hold. I, I mean, mean, literally the same they're year. Old. Yeah. They're old. And, and that's why for decades after uh, uh, black Americans were given, and former enslaved Americans were given the right to vote, mm -hmm. that's why for decades after that, they essentially didn't have the right to vote because yeah. of these state-level laws. Yeah. Well, that's why the Voting Rights Act was passed in the late 1960s. It was try to, to try to overcome the, that injustice yeah. of keeping a certain segment of the population away from the ballot box and out of and and and, and to keep them out of democracy, yeah. keep them out of participating in democracy. And over the years, the Voting Rights Act for a long time had been voted, had been re, uh, reauthorized. reauthorized many times by the majority of both parties in the, in the U.S. We're Congress. We're talking like 98 to zero, 98 to two votes in the Senate. The last time it was reauthorized, I think it was 2000... 2013. Oh, 13? Yep. And that's when 98 senators voting, voted to uphold the Voting Rights Act. Yeah, and like two abstained or whatever. Well... Also, uh, like a year or so after that, I can't remember the exact year, the Supreme Court gutted the Voting Rights Act yeah. and essentially made it completely toothless. So it's no longer giving those protections in the states. And the states, uh, there was another court case just last year the Supreme Court ruled that gutted it even further. And so these states have been now, like so many states all over the country that are controlled by Republican legislatures and have Republican governors, they are passing uh, voter suppression laws. They're like left and right, and they are just atrocious, some of them. I mean, it's like, I, 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 I can't even wrap my brain around how like blatant mm -hmm. some of these laws are in terms of, you know, it, and it's, it's about, you know, limiting access. There's one like rural county, I think it was in, oh, I want to say it was in Alabama, mm -hmm. where the Republicans who were in charge of... of um, it was Alabama, yeah. Where they're, they're in charge of like where the polling stations are going to be. Yeah. Um, have decided that for this one rural county, they're going to maybe have just one polling place for the entire county. Now, if your county is like San Francisco... Okay, you, can, you can walk. You can probably get there. It's, it's small. It's onerous, but you could do it. Right, but... Rural counties are huge. Yeah, it often. could be like forty miles to a side. You may it could have be to take square miles. an entire day off of work, which 
if you're a poor person, you're not going to do in order to vote. Like, yeah. but it, it's just atrocious. So they've they've passed all these laws to restrict voting, extreme gerrymandering mm-hmm. to to in, uh, install their one party minority rule in these states. If memory serves, it was Florida that in its sweeping uh, voter disenfranchisement legislation recently, uh, part of that bill, part of that law, mm-hmm. was to prohibit uh, there being assistive interpreters at polling sites. Oh my God. That's just a literacy test. Oh my God. It is a literacy test. It's exactly, it's, a, it's, oh like, it's like it's 100 years ago. It's really maddening. Right. So voting, the voting rights legislation that was blocked, it is, it's atrocious. Like you were saying, I think we, we rabbit trailed off of your saying mm. that 50 Republicans, not a single Republican in the Senate said, yeah, voting rights are actually important. Yeah. More disturbingly though, uh, you know, we kind of know that Republicans are moving in lockstep right now. It's appalling, but also it is what it is. It's a known quantity has been for, for a few years now. We know it's, happening. Yeah. Uh, that's why it's so important, so important for Democrats to move together, like Democrats, uh, you know, mm-hmm. in Senate specifically, yeah. like they have literally zero margin, like it's a 50-50 and the vice president, Kamala Harris, is the tiebreaker vote right. if it is a 50-50 tie. Right. So on contentious bills, if all Republicans vote against it, that means that all Democrats have to vote for it if one Democrat doesn't vote for it, then it won't pass. Well, and two different Democrats didn't vote for it. It's a, it's a little bit more nuanced than that. These two Democrats said that they actually supported the voting rights bill itself. Yes. However, there's a rule in the Senate. In the, in the Senate currently. Currently. It is not a rule that was established in the Constitution. Nope. It is something that the Senate has done just as a sort of tradition or they just made it up themselves at it started, some point? It started in the 1800s, which, um, which uh, is called the- scholars of history will observe is a different century than the country was founded in with this constitution. Right. So again, this is not a <laughs> constitutional thing. But the filibuster rule, um, as it currently stands in the Senate, requires that 60 senators vote to end debate on a topic. And begin debate. And begin, it's true. Yeah. Begin and end debate. Uh, and then allow that bill to go on for for a vote, for a vote yeah. in which it could it can pass with a simple majority. Yeah. Fifty one votes wins Bills, at that point. Yeah, any bill can pass with a simple majority. The problem is that if you can't get to the point where you can vote, then it doesn't get voted on. It dies, and it essentially is dead. So this filibuster rule um, historically has been used. It's been it's been used increasingly over the previous de- few decades mm-hmm. um, and it has been abused in the in that time most often to kill legislation that has to do with civil rights and voting rights yeah. it has essentially become a tool for white supremacists in the Congress in this in the US Senate to block legislation that would make our democracy a more equal multiracial democracy yeah they are using this rule to, to, to retain their own power and establish themselves as, as a one-party minority rule. That's yeah. what's happening. It's, and it just, should, it's just a rule. And it should be said that the filibuster has been changed many, 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 many times. This rule the Senate made up for themselves, they themselves, the Senate has changed it over and over. For instance, Mitch McConnell, when he was the, the leader of the Senate a couple of years ago, uh, when he was in the majority, Changed the filibuster rule so that uh, so that Democrats couldn't block passage of these right wing extremist judges that Trump wanted to have on the Supreme Court. Yeah. So it's been changed. It was changed actually just last month. Yeah. When 
the Republicans in the Senate were threatening to filibuster, to block uh, a legislation that would increase the, the, the debt ceiling, yeah. which is just a... It's a other, weird procedural thing. But essentially, it needed to happen or else the world economy would have tanked. Yeah. But Republicans didn't want to actually vote for it for stupid reasons. Um, but they but they changed the Senate rule just for that bill so they could get a majority vote and majority Democrats voted for it and and it passed and it did its thing. But these two Democratic senators in the Senate, Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema, blocked the ability, they, they, they blocked the ability for the Democratic majority to change that rule for voting rights, in effect, killing the bill. Yeah. So they, out of one side of their mouth, were saying, we're for voting rights. Out of the other side of their mouth, they were saying, but we're not going to do anything about it. Yeah. <laughs> because, I, 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 honestly, it, it baffles me. The because I, is a big question mark. The because is a big question it's mark. It's probably something to do with money. Money. Probably. Yeah. Personal greed sort of triumphing over the good of it's the people. It's so maddening. It's, it's maddening. It's, and you know, there's, it's very, very tempting to throw your hands up in the air and just, and be like, you know, okay, well, you know, our people are losers. We, why are we electing Democrats if they have the power to do stuff and they're not doing it? Right. Well, you this know? kind of like segues into That's my what angle I was doing. I was setting this. you up. Oh, thank you. you like Thanks that? for that softball pitch. Like, yep. I'm, I'm going to go. And hit it out of the park now. Nice. That was a very bad click, though. Like a, can you do a better one? Um, oh, that's much better. Pretty good. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, so what are we going to do? This, it's the it's the reality of the situation that this bill was blocked. There's no chance of reviving it. It's, it's yeah. not like it's not happening. Um, I know that the day for me personally, the day after that happened, I just needed to like unplug from the world <laughs> for a minute. Like it was, it was very deflating. Um, yeah. I, like I. I, I really do believe that this effort by Republicans right now to suppress votes and to, as, as, I mean, it's not just vote, voter suppression. They're, they're installing um, people, the, they're installing people in the positions of counting the vote that will be willing to change the results if they don't like the, yep. the, what voters have decided. A I mean, couple like, of different states are floating the idea of having election police. Oh my God. Like, like, like that report police. to the governor, right? So like, if the Republican, wow. if there's a Republican governor, then there would be essentially Republican, like election police. Wow! Just showing up at polling sites, uh, empowered to kind of really do whatever, empowered <sighs> with the powers of police. So if they see someone doing quote unquote something suspicious, like I don't know, a black person voting, oh my god, they can interrogate them, they can uh, detain them. Like I don't, want, I don't want to sugarcoat this, like in any way. Like I really do see these efforts that Republicans are like, just they have the the the, the speed at which they are implementing these changes has is increasing. Yeah, has been increasing for the last year. It's just it, they're they're doing it more and more and faster and faster, in order to get stuff in place for the twenty twenty two congressional elections and then the twenty twenty four presidential election. Yeah. Um. I like I, I to be very plain. Like I. I kind of like look down the tunnel of this and I see very potentially the end of American democracy. Yeah. Not that we've really ever lived up to what we say our ideals are. No. <laughs> <laughs> but but often we're moving at least toward that. Yeah, and this is like a ma a massive step backward. I mean like if if the Republican party is able to establish what they're going for right now, which is essentially one party minority authoritarian rule mm -hmm. we may call ourselves a democracy in name we may we may go to a ballot box on november 3rd or whatever yeah. 
but it might not mean anything. I mean, mm. Russians vote, they have elections. Right. And Putin usually wins with about 91, 92%. Yeah. Like, it, it's, it's kind of astonishing to think about that possibility that in the United States of America, which, you know, in all of our mythology, we have been told for, since we were the day we were born, that we are like the bastion of freedom and democracy. And like, the shining maybe, city on the hill. Maybe we're not, you know, like, yeah. like we really might be headed toward not being that. And the cascading effects of what that means for our everyday lives is really horrifying. Like, yeah. like immediately, like my, my personal life right now is not affected much. I mean, you, it could be argued that the, the, the fallout from, from the, um, how horribly the Trump administration handled the pandemic mm. has affected my personal life. Like we're still not sure. able to go on tour yet because it's so like the United States has been one of the worst places for COVID around the world, yep. you know, like, but, but, but really practically speaking, my life isn't affected all that much, but like, all, but it is true that in some States already people don't have uh, freedom to make choices about their reproductive uh, health. Right. It's gone in Texas. People do not have the choice to make their own decision about their reproductive health and their own, control over their own bodies. Teachers can't talk about racism right. in a number of states there as are, of a couple of months ago. There, and then there's, there is, I mean, there, there are, we're going to start seeing more and more knock-on effects because that's what authoritarianism does. Mm -hmm. Authoritarianism has to continue to constrict people's freedom, constrict, constrict people's rights in order to maintain their own power. It is a zero-sum view on power. Mm -hmm. The less the people have, the more we have. And yeah. they're only interested in engorging their own power. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's so sad because like, we could be doing so much better. We could, power doesn't have to be a zero-sum game. Mm -hmm. like, when we have power with one another, we can do anything you know, like we could, make, we could actually make a world in, that is just and compassionate and equitable. Like we, we do have that possibility available to us as, as a human species, <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. uh, we could actually live in harmony with the earth. Like, but, but people who, who destroy that vision of power with each other to do good things and make a good world, people who destroy that with the notion of just wanting power only for themselves are, are leading us down a path where I'm, I'm just really not certain about our future. But I'm also not willing to give up on, like it's, it, it, it would be easy to be like, okay, the voting rights legislation was the last bastion of you know, potential to save us from this path of authoritarianism. And it would have been really great to have it. It would have been a very, very useful tool yeah. to, to beat back this movement. It would have single-handedly brought us back from the edge. It would have bought us more time to continue building an actual multiracial democracy, mm -hmm. right? But I, we, we can't give up because it, like, we're, we're, we're worth not giving up on. <laughs> this mm -hmm. idea is, not, is worth not giving up on. So like my idea is like- If nothing else, like our black and brown neighbors are worth not giving up on. Yeah. Yes. But yes, I mean, it, we're, we're all not, we're all worth it. You know, like it, it's, it will, if the, the, the ravages of authoritarianism will affect the more vulnerable people first, but it's coming for all of us. Like it doesn't stop at, at, at any like lower class or a certain race, you know, it's, it would eventually come for everybody. 
that's how it works. Um, but so what do we do next? That's, that's, that's kind of my point is like, what, it, what happens now? And I've been trying to, I've been seeking out voraciously like leaders, democracy leaders, uh, democracy reform leaders who are like suggesting what's next for us. And I think that what I've heard, what I've been hearing is that um, this year, the congressional election is, is just going to be massively important. Yeah. There are... Um, Every single seat in the House of Representatives is up for election this year. By definition, every two every years. Every two years it happens. And right now, Democrats control the U.S. House. Um, and we need to do everything we can to make sure that Democrats retain control of the U.S. House of Representatives. Yep. So We haven't been gerrymandered out of any particular amount of seats. We dodged a massive bullet with redistricting. Mm -hmm. So like, we're not structurally at the disadvantage we thought we were mm -hmm. going to be. So this is doable. It is doable. The Senate, there are a number, of, not, not the entire Senate is up for election every two years. They stagger them every two years. Mm -hmm. So um, A third of it's up, up, up for any given two years. Because senators serve for six-year terms. Yeah. So, uh, so a third of the Senate is up for grabs this year. And there are a number of seats that are currently held by Republicans that are flippable. Mm -hmm. Absolutely flippable. This year is structurally good for us. And here's the thing. If we had two more pro-democracy Democratic senators in the Senate last week, we would have passed that voting rights bill. Because Manchin and Cinema wouldn't have been the two deciding votes. Exactly. Yep. We would take their power away if we had more people on our side. So yes, we delivered a Democratic House, Senate, and presidency last year, but it just wasn't quite enough. Yeah. We need a little bit more. So we need to gain two seats in the Senate. Also, That's something we can work for. It's really encouraging that all of the other 48 Democratic senators were on board with this rules oh, yeah. change. It's because huge there was progress. this theory that was being floated at the time that Manchin and Cinema were giving cover to other moderates who were squeamish about the idea, right. didn't want to do it. Right. But when push came to shove, every single yep. one of them put their name yep. on the line, meaning we literally do only need two. Right. We only need to get two more people. Mm -hmm. This is doable. It is totally doable. Um, and the third thing is that um, one of the um, one of the things that was sort of a uh, what do you call it? Uh, 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 I'm thinking in war terms, like a barricade against the effort that the Trump uh, mm -hmm. campaign was trying after he lost the election last year and their campaign was trying to get states to like reverse the results right. that they didn't like. One of the, the, the bastions against that were state governors. Yeah. Who... Even Republican state governors who were like, "No, we're not doing that." Yeah, you know, so in principled this, like right. public, public servants. But there were Democrat. Mo, mo, there were more Democrats too. Like in the state of Wisconsin, for instance, which was so close. Mm -hmm. um, to Governor Tony Evers, who's a Democrat. Mm -hmm. You know, if 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 there had been a, a Trump loving Republican in that position might have been persuaded to do yeah. shenanigans to reverse the results that we got in Wisconsin last year. Yep. Um, so governor's races, there's a bunch of them up uh, for re-election this year, and it's going to be really important that we get Democratic governors in place there. So for what that means for me personally, mm -hmm. like um, you might remember if you were listening to this podcast a couple of years ago that, that we um, volunteered our personal time in mm -hmm. 2020 uh, for the state of Wisconsin. Yep. And in the state of Wisconsin, there happens to be um, a, a Senate seat that's up for grabs. Ron, Ron Johnson. Johnson, that motherfucker. <laughs> he's a terrible, awful senator. He's like, a terrible, awful human being. He's like conspiracy theorist in chief. Like he's just, he's really bad. But also he's not super bright. It's, Which just makes him way more annoying. Weird. Because he's not like even a good conspiracy theorist. He's just like a 
stupid asshole. He can be beat, is what yes. I'm trying to say. And the governor of Wisconsin is also up for re-election this year. So for me, personally, I think I'm going to get back involved in, in making calls for Wisconsin. I'm I gonna, mean, we're already linked in with their team, so why wouldn't we? We're going to do, uh, I'm going to do, uh, when elections are getting closer, uh, this summer and then this fall, I'm going to get back involved with doing phone banks for Wisconsin. Voter protection, baby. Yeah, w- Washington is going to be fine. We're going to be fine in that in that regard. If yeah. there are local house races that I can participate in to mm-hmm. try to get a, a Democrat elected to a, a house district, I will do that too. But like, in, in terms of our statewide stuff, it's going to be fine. So I'm going to focus my energy on Wisconsin yeah. like we did a couple of years ago. And and this is just really the thing. Like, it's it, it's really maddening that that bill got blocked last week. But like with anything in our lives, like I can choose to be paralyzed by that or I can take a moment and figure out what it is that I can do in this situation to move things in a direction that I would like to see them move. So that's what we're doing. That's what I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to do it. Okay. All right. So should we move on to Suggestion Box? Okay, great. I want to speak to you, manager, now, please. We have a whole new section, which is going to be also super fun. We should have had another lighthearted one between the two. I was thinking we should, we're going to put gold, we're we're probably going to put This Feels Important above Gold Star next time. Okay, great. Because I was just thinking the same thing. I know. Because Suggestion Box, things that that are frustrating us at the moment, things that could could use improvement. Yeah. Because you know how whenever there's a Suggestion Box, really it's just complaints. It is. It is. I'd like to suggest that this terrible thing not happen anymore. Uh, do you want to start? Yes, absolutely. Okay. And in the spirit of not overloading on the negative, I'm going to keep mine real brief. Okay. But I have to be honest, I have felt frustrated with Spotify this week. Oh, okay. Uh, and you know, uh, it's because, uh, well, I'm writing I'm, that essay I was mentioning yeah. earlier, right? Yeah. About, uh, about, you know, how we, how we, how we view our role in the world as artists. That's kind of the point of this essay, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah, um, And part of it kind of has to do with the fact that there are all these technological overlords who have made it their life's work to transfer potential income from us into their pockets. Mm. That is, that's really the story of Spotify, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. There's two sides of Spotify. There's a consumer-facing side, which is wonderful. Who doesn't love being able to click on a button on your phone? You have any record you want to listen to just right there streaming. It's great. I use it all the time and I love it. But, you know, from the artist side of things, mm. the payouts are terrible. And the reason the payouts are terrible is because instead of paying artists a reasonable amount, they're taking a whole bunch of it. Like the CEO of Spotify, Daniel Eck, he is personally worth over $5 billion right now. And that is because he has taken $5 billion worth of money that could have been given to artists and put in his own pocket, Mm -hmm. right? And so that's frustrating enough. But what really ticked me off and made me a little bit mad, and I really need to speak to the manager about this, (laughs) is that I just learned that last month he invested 100 million euros and took a board seat uh, on a company that is making artificial intelligence-based military technology. So he's literally using the money that he has stolen from you and me Art makers. From art makers to fund next generation military weaponry. Oh my God. It's really frustrating. So I just, in the suggestion box, would really just like to suggest <laughs> that that maybe not happen. <laughs> so that's my, that's, that's what I need to speak to the manager about. What do you need to talk with the manager okay, about? Okay, I need to talk and to keep the, it brief. Okay, okay, I need to talk to the manager about Florida. Oh my God. <laughs> uh, it's not just Florida, but it's Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I, I need to speak to talk to the manager about the states that have started banning the teaching of factually accurate history when it comes to race and racism. Uh, have you heard about this? Yes. Um, this is a quote from Vanity Fair summing up this one bill that's going through uh, that's 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 working its way through Florida right now. Last Tuesday, a bill backed by Florida Governor Ron DeSantis would prohibit public schools and private businesses from inflicting, quote, discomfort on white people during lessons or training about discrimination. This bill was approved by the state Senate's Education Committee. That was the first hurdle before becoming a law in Florida. Like, they're trying to outlaw language in schools and in private workplaces that make white people uncomfortable. But I thought we were the snowflakes. Right. <sighs> it is just absolutely. And this is like it's it's one of those it's one of these laws that have been there's there several states that have been passing these. They're calling them like anti-critical race theory laws, which we can get into that at a whole other time. But like essentially they're trying to ban schools from actually teaching about the racist American history, history yeah. of our country. And like Oh my God, like I, I saw this in response to that. I saw this one person's tweet. It was a, it was a, a little girl. Like she was an elementary age mm-hmm. person who wrote uh, about this issue. Something about the fact that like, I think the only people who don't, um, I think the only white people who don't want, who, who, feel, who feel uncomfortable about learning about the racist racism in in America are those people who want to do it again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right? Like and and she's bang on, right? You know, like it is it is a way to um it's a way to try to erase yeah. our history which isn't it's not just our history. It is our present. We are living in a system that is Well, still- and that's precisely why they don't want people to be able to talk about it because they're doing it right now. Right. Yeah. Well, with all the voter suppression we just yes. talked about, like yeah. I can only imagine that we can't that those same teachers can't talk about current day uh, race based voter suppression. Probably that would, that not. would run afoul of these it laws. Probably would. So it's really kind of a neat sort of package that goes together. Right. If and you re- think about it, it's really brilliant. If you're a sociopath. Yeah. Right. The, related to this, there's this other uh, new bill that's being uh, pushed through in Florida. It hasn't passed yet, but. Who knows? Uh, Florida Republicans have this new anti-gay bill Mm. that if passes, parents can sue a public school that encourages classroom discussion about sexual orientation or gender identity. Like, basically, they're they're trying to erase LGBTQ people from the conversation. There are LGBTQ students sitting in those classrooms. And, like, you can't talk about that? Like, what the... It's just... It's... it's, It is so incredibly dehumanizing. Like... LGBTQ kids already. LGBTQ kids already have a hard time yeah. existing, yeah. and now making it. They need to be validated and, and seen. They need they need to be made to exactly. feel like they're just regular people, not like they're weird outsiders. Totally. Yes, like, I, 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 I thought need... we got past that. Like when you and I were kids, a lot of LGBTQ people felt like they were weird outsiders. Didn't feel comfortable talking about it. We've made a ton of progress in the last thirty years. Yeah, and. Precisely because you made progress, uh, right-wingers are real keen to roll oh, that yeah. back because it goes against their bigoted, fucked-up religious worldview. Yeah. Anyway. I, I, need to take, I need to speak to the manager yeah, about it. seriously. Anyway, good stuff. We've got good, good categories coming up for you. Yes, we do. Two remaining. All right, hey, let's move swiftly into the Inspiration Station. Inspiration Station. Yeah. 
Oh, yeah. So uh, what inspired me this week? Yeah. Uh, we have watched a couple of movies over this last week, French movies, actually, like yeah. in the French language with subtitles, uh, both of which took place during the French Revolution. Yeah. Uh, it was great. One of them was a movie about a chef. One of them was a movie about uh, a reader for Marie Antoinette, like mm-hmm. one of her servants, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, but both of them took place like right at like, like you know, middle of July, 1789. Yeah. You know, uh, both of them referenced in real time Bastille Day happening, right. you know. Yeah. And I have to say, it wasn't the point really necessarily of either of these movies, but it was inspiring uh, in context of the current class battles that our country is experiencing mm-hmm. to uh, hear just good, wholesome stories about the citizenry revolting. Yeah, because the monarchy was just very deeply entrenched, right? Yeah. And like. And so looking, self-indulgent and so yeah. wasteful. But looking at them from the outside, you might think, and looking at the 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 castles and the yeah. fortresses built around them to keep them in power. Like, and the previous 2,000 years of world history. Right. Yeah. Like, you might look at that from the outside and be like, that's impenetrable. That's yeah. never going to change. And yeah. these movies were taking place in a time when it actually changed. It changed quickly, too. It only took a couple of years after that. Mm. Like, I think by, by 1792, mm. 1793, mm. there was, like, a proletarian government. Mm. Like, it happens so fucking fast. So that's encouraging. We can also have change here, too. And, you know, things always seem the worst and most intractable right before they change. Mm, That's a good word. It's really true. Yeah. You know? Appreciate that. So, uh... So here's open. So, so mine is related to yours. Yeah. Um, mine was specifically the movie Delicious that we watched. Um, In French, that's Delicieux. And the movie, which is how you might find it on Netflix. Is what, which is why I'm saying it. Yeah, I don't think you can get it on Netflix oh, it's yet, Apple. but it's yeah, you can probably rent you can it. rent it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, what a beautiful film, and mm. I highly recommend it. Uh, the 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 premise is that um, there's a, a a chef. He's he's called a cook. But he's a chef. Yeah. <laughs> but he's got a cook who cooks for a, a duke, um, and he ha- he's the duke loves his cooking. Like he's a brilliant chef, right? And um, and there's there's some just bad incident that happened there, and and so the the, the cook frees himself from servitude. He quits. He quits essentially. He frees himself from servitude. Goes back to his home village. Uh, where his father, when he was alive decades before or years before, had run an inn or what they call a post relay, yeah. which was essentially it's like a way station, a place where where travelers could stop and sleep and have a meal. Yeah, when they were traveling, um, and uh, and you know, series of events happens, and he essentially establishes the first restaurant. So prior to this establishment, there wasn't really anything called a restaurant or they operated like a restaurant yeah. in the world. They were, they were, you know, post-relay type things like this where travelers could get food or pubs mm-hmm. where you could get maybe a little something to eat while you were just drinking with people, yeah. you know. But this was the first restaurant that he established. Um, and the way it happened was just so inspiring to me. The, the whole story, the idea... And he had he had a son who was uh, his son who came with him, um, you know, from the from the the duke's castle or whatever to the this new post relay where they were making a restaurant. The son was really sympathetic to the rebellion that was happening to the revolution, you know, um, and was just a voracious reader. You know, really wanted to be up on all the news of what the people were doing um, as they were rising up against the monarchy, and. 
um, really what ends up happening is that that this chef begins to create, I mean, it's just like beautiful, gorgeous meals. Like it's just, it's an art form, you know, when, when, a, when a chef is really, you know, doing their thing. It, yeah. is, it is a work of art. And um, he ends up opening his doors to the common people. Like it yeah. was, it was not, it was not possible for somebody who wasn't royalty to eat gourmet food mm-hmm. or to eat food that was prepared with this kind of love and care yeah. before this. And, and so, skill. And, yeah. And so he ends up opening his doors to people just in the village, to like the proletariat, the, the, the regular folks. And also... Could come and, and, and enjoy this beautiful bounty. And also part of that was like sort of more toward the beginning of the movie. He was starting to make bread and stuff and he had it set out on tables near the fence line to, 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 yeah. uh, to cool. keep cool. And these like poor people who lived kind of in the forest yeah. adjacent were stealing the bread. Well, there was a famine. Yeah, because yeah. uh, there was a famine. And, uh, you know... And he's like, no, I want them to take it. Yeah. And it was interesting. He's like, there were two parts to it that, that the character articulated in the movie. One, it's the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. And two, practically speaking, if I don't let them take this bread, they'll come and take everything. <laughs> right. But the thing that was really, I think, that like distills sort of what was inspiring to me about this movie, now that we've sort of set it up for you, was this idea that like, yeah, he has the skills to cook. He could have probably cooked, you know, big pots of soup and fed lots of people and, yep. you know, just given them food. Mm-hmm. But he didn't just give them food. He opened his doors for a beautiful food experience. Yeah. And I just, I was inspired by the idea that, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't, he wasn't with the people revolting against Bastille. You know, he wasn't out there fighting actual, the actual war, you know, in the revolution. He was making beautiful food for common people and offering them an experience of beauty, which brings... When, when you offer somebody an experience of beauty, you bring yourself and them back to their humanity. Like when we share those kinds of experiences with one another, it reminds us that we are valuable. It reminds us that we are inspired and we are beautiful ourselves mm-hmm. and that we are worth an existence that that honors all of that. You know, and so like, that's what that's what really inspired me about this movie is just this idea that like you know even if you know I'm not running for office right mm-hmm. but maybe I can offer something in my life that is just reminding people of our value reminding people yeah. of our worth by sharing beauty with each other we can all do that yes you know what I mean we're all worthy of beauty yeah yeah so how inspiring it. it was so wonderful yeah so I believe we are at the last. Widget. Yay. We're at the last of the new Misfit Stars topics. I hope you all have loved these new topics. I have so too. And you know, this has been a real long one because we've had so much to catch up on and it's new to us and we're feeling our way through it. Yeah. Uh, they won't all be hour and 25 minute long episodes. No. You know? But I hope that you don't mind indulging us on this one. Yeah. We're finishing with a gratitude crank up. And so I have to say, when we were giving titles to our sections here, um, this came to mind. Uh, I wanted to end with with the gratitude. Um, we've been doing for months now in our Misfit Stars social network, um, just 
people people who decide to join in uh, do a, a regular gratitude practice there. Some yeah. people do it daily. Some people come every few days. You know, some people are a little bit more sporadic. But it's as 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 people want to come, they come and they do the gratitude practice. And the idea with a gratitude practice is that you come and you make a list of things for which you are grateful, even if you're not necessarily feeling grateful. Yeah, that's what makes it. The, that's when you need to do it. That's what makes it a practice. Yeah. Because it is scientifically proven that when we practice gratitude, we increase our joy. Yeah. We are it, there's something that happens in the rewiring of our brains itself when we practice gratitude that we make ourselves more available to joy. And I need more joy. So mm-hmm. we started this gratitude practice in the social network, and it's been wonderful. And one of our one of our misfit stars, whenever she pops in for her gratitude practice, she calls it her gratitude crank up, and I love that phrase. Yes. Thank it's, you, it's a, Heather. It's a regional euphemism. She's from the Midwest. Yeah, probably didn't need to say that, <laughs> but it's because uh, it just sounds Midwest. It doesn't. You know okay. What I mean? Oh yeah. But I just love it. I, lo- I love the action of that. Like it's it so is, great. Yes, we're, like you're cranking up an old car. Exactly. That's what we're doing. So even on days we don't feel grateful especially on the days when we don't feel grateful. We're finding things, sometimes they're tiny things, for which we can express gratitude because the act of doing that cranks up joy, really, is what it's doing. Mm -hmm. So this is our gratitude crank up. What you Uh, got? I have one very simple thing. Great, what is it? And that's our blooming orchid. Oh, yeah. We have an orchid that was given to us uh, as a gift from a friend about four years ago, Mm -hmm. right after we moved here to Tacoma, we had her and her husband over for dinner. She brought this to us and it has thrived. It has bloomed every year since we've had it. Mm-hmm. Last year, it did a stupid little one little bloom at the base by the leaves. It didn't even grow a stem. It just was it, like, I'm going to push out one flower down by the leaves right. and fuck you. But but also <laughs> that was our indication that maybe it needed a bigger pot. So we did we gave it a bigger pot this year and it is flourishing again. We have, and to be fair, I think that was a totally reasonable reaction to 2021. Oh, absolutely, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. I, I, I also in 2021 most of the time <laughs> just felt like doing the bare minimum. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so this flower, we now have three open blossoms. Um, there are four more to come. I honestly like when I come downstairs and I see a new flower opening oh, every so every couple of days. It just really does thrill me, yeah. and it's a. It's a miraculous little plant and yep. I am grateful for it. I'm grateful for the joy it gives me, the surprise that it brings my life and it's long lasting beauty. These blossoms will be here months. for months yeah. and I, I'm really grateful for yeah. a little orchid. How about you? I am uh, I'm grateful to uh, have meaningful work that I love. Mm-hmm. That's it. Mine's also really simple. I was alluding earlier uh, in this episode to just, you know, just being excited about the stuff that's in front of us right now. Mm. And I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful that I get to do something that I can be excited about sometimes. Yeah. Very cool. Real cool. Well, that's it for today. What do you think, people? It's the new Widgetized Misfit Stars podcast. What do you think? I I enjoyed it. What do you think? I really enjoyed it too. I think, I feel optimistic that uh, that it is accomplishing what we hoped it would, which is just to give us a better container to center and focus on what's current, what's mattering to us in the moment. Yeah, absolutely. I, I had a really good time talking with you about this Same. stuff. Yeah, Same. great. And thank you listeners for listening, if you're still here. <laughs> wow. And if you're not, you wouldn't hear this, so really you can just say thank you. That's right. Thank yeah. you. Um, we really appreciate you spending some time with us today. We would be remiss were we not to mention that you can support our work. You can do so at misfitstars.com slash support. Uh, If you want to be part of our Misfit Stars monthly uh, 
Well, they're not monthly. If you want to be part of our Misfit Stars Zoom meetups, um, then that's a way to get yourself in there. Yeah. You can do that. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, you know, the point of supporting our work isn't to get stuff. That is a thing that can happen. It's a bonus. It's a bonus. Mm -hmm. But the point of it would be that you value who we are and what we're putting into the world, and you want to help support us while we're doing that Mm -hmm. so that we can focus more upon it. Mm -hmm. That's the point of it. Uh, If that describes you, please join. It's uh, it's just a monthly thing. Uh, It just comes, it gets deducted automatically from your debit card or whatever, you know, like on whatever day uh, of the month you do it. So if you sign up today on the 26th, Mm -hmm. then it gets taken out next month on the 26th and so on and so forth. It's like your Misfit Stars subscription. It really is, yeah. you know? And it keeps us afloat. Right now, the stuff we're working on is new music for me, new album. Yep. Uh, you're writing a book right yep. now. Uh, we're doing this podcast. You're continuing a bunch of your mentorship activity. Yes, I like, am. It's, it's all the stuff. This is what you're supporting. Yeah. You support us at misfitstars.com slash support. Subscriptions start at five bucks a month. The average subscription is 10. Oh, yeah. Good to know. There you know. Fun yeah. facts. Yeah. All right, people. Let us know what you think about this. Please uh, reach out to us uh, in the Misfit Stars social network. Suggestion box. Yeah, right? (laughs) Please reach uh, out to us on Facebook. You can always email me or Shannon. We we are Jamie, that's J-A-M-I-E, at MisfitStars.com. Shannon is Shannon at MisfitStars.com. We would love to hear from you always. Yeah, and we'll be back again next week. So until then, please take good care of yourselves and be good to each other. Yeah, we love y'all. Bye. Bye.